0: You know, we believe in a, uh, a cultural, thank you, you can be seated, we believe in, a, in really developing a culture of honor, and uh, whenever, uh, you know, a man of God like this comes, we want to give him honor, and, and not because of him, but because of what God has done through him, and Ian, we are just so excited to have you with us today, brother. Well, it's great to be here.
1: Thank you. It's great to be just in California. Talk. I love the accent.
0: Yeah, why do, why do guys with a, an English accent always sound smarter? I mean, I don't, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I'm sure you're smarter than me, but I just, you just sound so much more smarter. He does. It's a New Zealand accent. Yeah, I, but, but I said English, didn't I? It's English. Isn't it kind of like a downstream from England kind of thing? <laughs> slightly. Yeah, slightly. Well, Ian, we are so glad to be with you, uh, for you to be with us today, and your story is, uh, is a great story. Uh, I wonder if you could just start maybe by talking about the early years and, and kind of who is Ian and help us get some insight into you. I'm
1: um, born in New Zealand and my background was uh, farming, agriculture, surfing, diving, sailing, fishing, anything to do with the outdoor. And my heart was touched by a movie called Endless Summer, mm. which, um, any remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> any surfers here? <laughs> and I saw... Californian kids surfing around the world trying to avoid the winter and so I thought that's me and so I decided to travel. I left New Zealand in 1980 and spent two years surfing around the world.
0: Mm. That sounds like a great life. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, um, tonight in the movie you're going to see his story and I have to ask you a question because part of it is and share with us a little bit about how You turned against and away from God at a young age. That little bit of that story. And then my question to you is, in all of your travel, because the movie is unbelievably beautiful, but your quest for life, and that's, I mean, that perfect way, and how along the way did you not look for God? Because we see you traveling through even some mysticism, some, you know, Eastern philosophies and religions, Mm -hmm. and even though you turned from God at 12 and said there's not a God, was there little pings in your heart along the way of searching for God.
1: I think because I was brought up in what I think you call Episcopalian, it's very similar to Catholic, um, stand up, sit down, kneel, stare at stained glass windows. So when I used to pray every night, <laughs> I felt as though there was nothing out there. I'd never heard God speak to me. And so I wondered whether perhaps Christianity wasn't the way. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for the meaning and truth to life. And so I, when I traveled through Asia, I began asking other people, what do they believe? And I saw their spirituality. They did believe in God. And they weren't just people who went to church on Sunday. And so I was challenged by their um, the supernatural realm. Attracted me. And I'd never experienced anything supernatural in Christianity.
0: Well, and you know, that's a really interesting point, I think, as we start to kind of focus this message down that the Word is is great and whenever the word is delivered it was always delivered with power and when you saw the ministry of Jesus you saw um, I mean signs and wonders you saw miracles you saw lives transformed and that move that undoubtedly that seed that your mother planted in your heart at an early age it it went through a germination process which was longer or different than everyone else talk to us a little bit about that
1: I was christened as a child, and I had the certificate, I don't remember it happening. <laughs> um, but it's something that my mum and dad did, uh, infant baptism, and I then was confirmed the age of 14. I remember kneeling at the altar expecting, this is the time then God will reveal himself to me and speak, and nothing happened. Very disillusioned, I walked out the back of the church, and I turned to my father and said, Dad, have you ever heard God speak to you? He said, well, why do you ask that? I said, well... We're told that we are created an image of God. I have ears and a a mind and and a mouth. Mm. Surely is it when I speak to him, he should be able to hear me and talk back. I've heard nothing. Have you ever heard God speak? He said, well, no, son, I've never heard God speak. Um, Some people think they have, but I think they're a little bit. Just be a good boy, don't buck the system, and someday you may make it up there. Well, I was in that teenage, ready-to-challenge authority. And so I watched my mother walk past with the vicar, the priest, and I went out and talked to her. I said, Mom, have you ever heard God speak? And she turned to me, looked me straight in the eyes, some tears in her eyes and said, Yes, son, I have. The, the minister, the vicar, ran.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, why would God show up at church?
1: Well, I thought perhaps he's like, Dad, he's never heard God speak either. But yeah. my mum stood her ground, and I said, Mom, I've never heard you tell me this. What happened? She said, Your grandmother, uh, my mother, died of a tragic accident which triggered off multiple sclerosis and a bull ran out in front of her. And she said when she died, I had no one left in the world to turn to. And um, she said, I got on my knees and prayed in my bedroom. and said, God, if you're real, you must come to me. She said, in that bedroom, God revealed himself to me. I saw him and heard him speak. I know that he's real. That's why we're taking you to church. I said, Mum, do I have to go through a tragedy like you in order to hear God speak? She said, No, son, but often man's very proud and arrogant, and it takes a tragedy to humble him to bring him to a point of need where he will call out to God. Mm, that's good. I said, But, Mum, I'm not proud, am I? <laughs> she was very gracious. <laughs> she didn't say you're full of it, son. <laughs> um, well, I was 14. I had lived under what I believed. Christianity taught the Ten Commandments. I didn't know that you didn't get saved through the Ten Commandments. You've got to get saved through grace. And so I was living under the law. And I said, Mum, do I have to come to church anymore? She said, no, son, we won't force you. So I to thank you for not forcing your belief upon me. I walked away, and my mother burst into tears. I've, when you bring your mother to tears, um, very, very touching. I said, Mum, why, why are you crying? She said, Ian, if you can learn nothing from my life, please, can you remember this one thing, son? I said, what's that, mom? She said, no matter how far you may find yourself from God in your life, no matter what you do wrong, if you've been calling out to God from your heart, he will hear you and he'll forgive you, Ian. Can you remember that, son? I said, yes, mum," But I'm not coming back. And I walked away. I had no idea how powerful those words were, that the key is to call the God from your heart, that he will hear you and he will forgive you no matter how far from God you may be. I'd never heard the story of the prodigal son or the woman who was a prostitute who came to Jesus and when she saw the Lord wept all over his feet. I now know why my mother was weeping. She was the only believer in the family and she was watching her children, all of them walking away from God. And it broke her heart. Mm. But she knew that love could not stop that. Love would let them go and trust that God could bring them back.
2: Mm. Amen. Wow. wow, that's powerful, powerful words. And I know there's moms and there's dads here that are praying over their kids, Ian, right now. I'm praying with some of them. And um, that was just very powerful. It took me back, sorry, just as a mother's heart and as a father's heart, the brokenness when we don't see our kids living and loving God. Okay. Never,
1: never judge them. Mm-hmm. Never give up. My mother never judged me. She loved me. Yeah. And she prayed, but trusting God, that his love would bring back her son.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, prayer is definitely the key. And I think that there's, um, we just don't understand the power that we have in prayer. I tell moms all the time, there comes a point when you need to stop speaking <laughs> and bend your knee. Yep. Bend your knee. Because we can do more on our knees for our kids than we can ever do with our words.
1: Well, I would not be here apart from the praying mother.
2: Yeah, Amen. Well, okay, Ian, the big question here, take us to the day that you were stung by the jellyfish. What happened? Um,
1: Leaving that, I never went to church from that point on, other than my grandmother dragging me off for Easter or Christmas and um, wedding and funerals. And so I became an atheist. University took any Christianity out of me. Mm. I then became a consultant and I used to earn 400 bucks an hour. And so my world was, I had everything, but I still had an emptiness inside my heart about the meaning and truth to life, so I began to travel the world from 1980 to 82 surfing. My brother wrote to me and said, Ian, would you come home for my wedding? I said, sure, I, I'm so close to my brother. So I flew back to an island called Mauritius, where I'd lived the year before in the Indian Ocean and began diving again with a Creole fisherman. And they were night divers. I was a lifeguard and instructor in scuba. My mother had fish blood in me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I dived that night and swam into what is called box jellyfish. The Creoles who are French speaking call it invisible or envisabe, invisible one. I was hit by five of them. The fisherman turned to me and said, Pardon, pardon, Séphanie, invisible, tac, Séphanie, allez, allez, vite. My limited French was un petit peu, told me that one would kill me, I had to get to the hospital. My arm went up like Popeye. My skin was blistered, excruciating pain. And by the time they got me into an ambulance, uh, my life was racing before me. I was completely paralysed. I'd gone through the death rattles. And I was right on the edge of death. I couldn't even hear my heart beating. Seeing my life go before me, I'd heard documentaries comment on this, people seeing this before they died. And then as I'm lying, thinking, well, am I going to die? Is there life after death? I thought, well, I believe there's nothing. I'm an atheist. Suddenly in front of me appeared my mum on her knees, in her bedroom. Have you seen the older people pray this way? Well, I'd seen that when I was a little boy. Every night my mother used to pray the Our Father's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm lying here looking at her, and I thought, what's mother doing here? Unbeknown to me, on the other side of the world, my mother has just had God speak to her audibly, perhaps the second time in her entire life, saying, your elder son Ian is nearly dead. Pray for him now. How many mothers know when your children are in trouble? I don't know. How many men wouldn't have a clue what's going on? (laughs) Well, I'm lying here. My mother is distraught. She's praying. God supernaturally takes her into this ambulance and said, Ian, the same words when I was a 14-year-old boy when I walked away. Son, no matter how far from God you may be, no matter what you've done wrong, if you call out to God from your heart, God will hear you and God will forgive you. I thought, which God? So many gods. I said, God, show me your face. I need to see to believe. No face appeared except my mother. I thought, well, mother is not God. I mean, your mother's not God. <laughs> I sometimes act like it. But I lay there and I thought, my mother is a Christian. She prays to Jesus. Could she be praying to the true living God? As I lay there, I thought, well, Mum's life was so pure. There's so much love in her. If there is a God, she carries the attributes that should be in the character of of God. I thought she taught me the Lord's Prayer, and I tried to pray it. My mind went completely blank. Mm. My mother said, Ian, do not pray from your head. Pray from your heart. Mm. I thought, my heart's like stone. It's so cynical, so unbelieving. I said, but God, if you exist, I feel like a hypocrite praying. If you see anything in my heart of stone, please help me to pray. Suddenly, words appeared in the ambulance. Forgive us our trespasses and sins. I thought, well, I have committed so many sins, too many to list God. But if you can somehow forgive me, please forgive me all of my sins. The words disappeared. Fresh words came up, forgive those who trespass and sin against you. I thought, I'm not a revengeful man by nature. I'm not vindictive. God, I can forgive anyone. As I said that, two men's faces appeared in front of me. I thought, what the... (laughs) What are they doing here? I don't know if you've got any on your hit list. (laughs) And I heard this audible voice say, Son, will you forgive them for what they did to you? I thought, no. No. Then I realized that if I didn't forgive, I'd get no more of the prayer. I had no idea that Jesus taught to the disciples after the Lord's Prayer, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, their sins, your heavenly Father won't forgive you your sins against him. Wow. So that your repentance is conditional upon you then, releasing forgiveness to your fellow man. Amen. And of course on the cross, his, his last words were, Father, forgive them. Well, I wrestled with that, I tell you. They were at the tip of an iceberg. I had a lot of um, unresolved bitterness and anger towards people. And I said, God, if you can forgive me, which would be an absolute miracle, I forgive them. Their face has instantly disappeared. Fresh words: Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought, what does that mean? Thy will, God's will be done. I thought, well, so far it's been my will. I've done it my way. I've I, I nothing. Whatever God's doing in heaven, nothing to do with my life. I said, God, I don't know Your will, but if You can hear me, I humble myself. I admit I'm wrong. I, su- I surrender my life to You. Please help me. I will find out what you're doing in heaven if I survive and I'll try and follow you all the days of my life. As I prayed that an incredible peace come into my heart. I had no idea Romans 10 says those who call upon the name of the Lord from their heart shall be saved. To, to me Christianity being repetitious from the mind like a parrot. I have now for the first time in my heart given my life to God. The entire Lord's prayer comes before me. As I finished praying it I thought, I wonder how many men, just like me, complete atheists, surrender their life to Christ in their dying moments. So my encouragement, don't you dare judge anybody. Mm -hmm. None of you are God. God's a lot more gracious than you. And you thank God that someone's praying for them, and and God will hear that one person that prays for them, more than 100 people who hate them. So stop judging people. You pray for them. I'm lying there and thinking to myself, time had slowed down. It's as though I'd been in a car wreck years before where the car had rolled. As I lay there, I thought to myself, it's as though time has slowed down. God showed me later that even with people in head-on collisions, heart attack, which they think is instantaneous, there's nothing instantaneous. God, who's outside of time, can slow time down like the Matrix because He wishes that none would perish. His desire that all would come to repentance. Suddenly the door swung open and they raced me into the hospital. Um, tried to take my blood pressure, no pulse, tried another machine, no pulse. Began smashing my hand, trying to get drip feed in. The doctor said, keep your eyes open or you will die. I could hear them talking. Another thing that struck me, just before I died, I could hear every word they were saying. I now I asked God why. He said, yeah, faith comes by hearing. The last faculty in the human body is the ability to hear. Even people in a life support system or a coma can hear you. So if you know God, you get down there and talk to them. They might say vegetable, they can't hear a thing. They can hear you. They can pray in their heart. It's never too late. I heard them talking. I couldn't keep awake. And I remember distinctly thinking, I must find some strength. I must close my eyes. As I closed them, the machines flatlined. I found myself instantaneously out of my body. I don't know if you've heard of people looking down and they can see their bodies. Obviously, they have to be in the ceiling of the hospital. And Jesus said, of course, I am the resurrection of life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. So I was dead, my physical body, but I was still very much alive. Ecclesiastes 12, what, 6 to 8 says, when a man dies, his spirit leaves his body. His physical body is only a <laughs> shell, ash and dust. <laughs> am I talking too much?
0: No. You? No. You're <laughs> This is why you're here. <laughs> Amen.
1: But I had no idea of Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and deep darkness, I shall fear. Evil. I found myself in total darkness. I oh, thought, Did the lights get turned off? And I look around, I can't see any light. I look for lights which can't find it. I thought, it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. I bring my hand towards my face, and my hand passes straight through it. I go, where is my chest? Nothing. My hands, nothing. I thought, how can you feel you're alive, but you've got no physical form? They remembered men came back to New Zealand from World War Two, and these old soldiers had lost legs and arms, and when you talked to them, they said they could feel the limb was still there. So I'm having recollection of, My physical body could potentially be back in the hospital and I'm out of it. (laughs) Total darkness. I could feel the most incredible evil, darkness and almost demonic all around me. Hear voices screaming from the darkness saying, Shut up, you deserve to be here. You're in hell. I thought, hell? I don't believe in it. Hell is supposed to be a party place. Everything you can't do here, you can get away with. It's very hard to grab a Heineken or a Budweiser. If you couldn't find your face, that would be hell for most people. <laughs> can't exactly touch this, you know. So I'm staying here and I'm thinking, well, it is supposed to be Dante's Inferno and rotting corpses and stuff. And God revealed to me, Ian, the metaphor where the worm will not devour the flesh isn't physical flesh. It's Galatians 5, the fruit of the flesh is immorality, drunkenness, adultery, anger. Lust, these are in the desires of a man's heart, but when he dies, he cannot fulfill them. So the metaphor is true. The desires of the flesh cannot be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm staying there. Evil can't touch me. I read later that greater is he within me. <laughs> Nothing can separate us from God's love, neither life nor death, principality of power. And, of course, darkness is the absence of light. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, light pierces through the darkness. Remember when I read Isaiah, he said, those walking in darkness have seen a great light light shines in the darkness and the darkness flees isn't it mm-hmm. he's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Colossians one thirty. and I read the Bible I wept after this I covered the pages with tears mm-hmm. this light draws me up as I've been drawn up you ever seen sunlight and dust go up in it I thought is this real it's like beam me up Scotty or something As I'm going up into this light, I look behind me and far beneath me is the darkness. And then I remembered Lot's wife when God delivered Lot's family from Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, do not look back, the angels, lest you die. And I thought, that's not smart. (laughs) 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 So thank God I'm being drawn out of the darkness. I then came up, I could see the darkness had a dominion like a wall and inside it was a circular opening. I found myself enter this opening and saw it as the beginning of a tunnel, or passageway. Mm. Jesus said, "Small and narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of God." I am moving then at the speed of light towards the source of this radiance. Waves of intense light come up towards me. As the first wave of light touches me, I feel an emotion called comfort. Mm. Now I tried southern comfort and false comfort, and a few other different comforts. But this was like a living emotion, and I found out the Holy Spirit is the comforter. I thought, that's like a liquid light that gave off a living emotion. Another wave of light hit me, peace. Mm. That peace has not left me in 33 years. Mm. From the tip of my head to the base of my feet. I thought, in that darkness, I couldn't see my hand. Perhaps in this light, I can see my form. I quickly turned to the right and saw my arm and hand outstretched, full of radiant white light. I found out later, of course, we should be changed. Mortality will take on immortality. Mm-hmm. Our flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, but we shall be changed. Mm-hmm. Sons and daughters of light. So I can see my hand. Now I know why men who have lost limbs when they die, they will see they are alive. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I was amazed at this radiant white light. I moved further down, another wave of light, this time joy. <laughs> Incredible joy. I came out of the tunnel of light and I saw the expanse of the radiance, as though I'd come into the center of the universe, all light. I thought all star systems, galaxies must find their energy from this light. Looking towards the center, I thought, is this an innate power, um, like Taoism, yin and yang? Is this just light? Or is there something in there? As I questioned it, I heard a man speak, and he said, Ian, do you wish to return? The same person led me through the Lord's Prayer, same person had been speaking to me all night. I thought, how did he know my name? I turned back and I thought, return where? And I can see the tunnel dissipating back into darkness, back into Hades. I thought, am I dead? Is this real? Am I actually out of my body? I said, look, if I am dead, I wish to return to my body. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see in a new light. I said, light? Are you the true light? Instantly, he said, Ian, God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all, 1 John 1:5. As he spoke, the words, like I'd seen the Lord's prayer in the ambulance, words of light came in front of me. His word is a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. I'm looking at these words going, God is light. I'd heard and studied Eastern mysticism, which said God is yin and yang. The power of light and darkness equal and opposite. I'm just being told that hell is darkness, evil. God is light. There's no shadow or shifting in him. Mm. I look behind me and my own spiritual body, which is transparent, full of radiance, casts no shadow. Mm, Yet my grandmother used to sing Psalm 91 in the shadow of his wings. But guess what? There's no shadow because God is light. Mm. (laughs) So I'm standing there in awe thinking, if that's God, what on earth am I doing here? I've done so many things wrong. He must see everything in my life. Nothing can be hidden from him. And I don't know about you, but I had a conscience, um, and I felt absolutely shamed. I thought, they brought the wrong man. I should go back into hell now. So I began pulling back from the light. Suddenly, waves of radiance came towards me. I thought, this surely will be the judgment and anger of God, the wrath of God. As it hit me, pure, unconditional love and acceptance began to flow into me. My whole hands tingled. I felt this liquid radiance literally pour in love and acceptance. And I began to weep. I said, God, you can't love me. Surely you know my sins. More and more light, more and more love. I said, well, I better tell him now. Otherwise, if he finds out what I've done, he may want to kick me out later, you know. He might as well find out the lot now. So I said, I've cursed you. I've slept around. I've taken drugs I've..." So many sins. It's disgusting. As his love swept into me, every sin I told him, it's as though he couldn't even see them. I wept and he said, Ian, all your sins were forgiven. When you prayed the Lord's Prayer in that ambulance, I didn't just wash away some of them. I washed away all of them. And Isaiah said, though my sins be scarlet red, he will make them as white as snow. And as John the Apostle said, what can wash our sins away? Nothing the blood of Jesus but the only way he can wash him away is to repent he's he's paid for the sins of the world but that can only be done through us humbling ourselves asking him forgiveness then he can apply his pure blood which takes away the sins yeah. I stood in awe I felt the love fill me up to overflow and open my eyes I was encased in radiance two to three feet around me yeah. thank God we get changed from glory to glory <laughs> but I saw the light around God made my light look like a firefly like a speck of dust in the center of the cosmos I said God can I possibly step into the light and see you face to face I am so close I knew he loved me and he didn't say a thing so I said God if you want me to stop I will stop at the fear of God in me Mm -hmm. I walked towards it and now I know the light is the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit glorifies the sun The radiance around Jesus is so bright, you won't need the light of the sun, the moon, or the stars. I'm in what the Jewish people call the outer courts. Mm, The fruit of the Spirit, love and peace and joy. I walked into this radiance, and as I did, my own spiritual body was eclipsed by the light, and I saw what appeared to be veils of almost like stars. seemed as though the universe was small, and I was big. Well, God holds the universe in the palm of his hands, and he's looking for revelation. The sons of God, I walked in, And I felt this light heal my broken heart. And I began to cry again, but I was happy. I never knew a man could be happy and cry. (laughs) You ever had that emotion? (laughs) I felt him healing what I could only describe as my heart of hearts. He was going into a place my mother couldn't get to, my girlfriends, my best friends. No one got there. No one. I couldn't stop this healing. It was just sovereignly happening. It was though he was going over every wall, every barrier, every hurt, every rejection, and he was touching the core of my being. That love was so strong I didn't think I could walk anymore. Hmm. It got brighter and brighter, so I just literally stopped. As I did, it's like I came to a place of rest. The veils opened. Hmm. Hmm. Then the light increased seven to 10 times. They're so bright, I could see at the angle I was looking a man's bare feet, and round his ankle would, deep, like monk robes, radiant light made up of this cloud I just walked through. I think Psalm 104:2 says he has clothed himself in garments of light. I look my, lift up my, my face towards him, see the chest of a man, arms outstretched with these beautiful, deep robes. And as I look to where the source of the light's coming from, I realize it's coming out of his face. I thought, look at that, seven to ten times brighter. As I'm looking, I'm looking into the face of Jesus, but nothing like I've seen in my Episcopalian upbringing. Here, here, his face is like the source of all the universes in his face. It's like looking into eternity within eternity. I knew that if he was to speak, galaxies, constellations would come into existence. So here's the former man, but the face of God but light which didn't harm my eyes. I then saw that his hair, instead of being brown, was pure white, long shoulder-length. I was captivated. Now, I couldn't believe that another man could say that another man was beautiful. It's beautiful. And I thought, his hands were out towards me like arms of love. I felt no fear. I began to walk closer, thinking if I can see his unveiled face light pierced out of his face towards me as it swept into me i felt purity childlike innocence restored absolute childlike innocence i walked closer more light emanated into my face captivated by fixing my eyes upon his face i felt an abstract word called holiness i had heard people say holy 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 i had no idea what holiness was I certainly was not a holy man. I'd never met a human person that I'd called holy. But I tell you what, that... When you've tasted holiness, you're spoiled for anything else. You just don't want to be unclean. You don't want to walk in darkness. Ruin for life. And thank God he's coming for a holy, pure bright. And the only way we can be holy and pure is to come in within the veil. Into the Holy of Holies. I'm standing there. I walk right up towards him. In awe, I'm stretching forth to try and see his face. As I reach into the light, he begins to move. I thought, why is he not permitting me to see his face? Why is he doing that? Not knowing that no man sees the face of God and lives. And I know if I'd seen his face, which Revelation 22 says, I would have to remain. Because we will see him face to face. Hmm? As I watched him move, all the light and splendor of his presence moved with him. And with his hand, I watched him step aside as if he wanted to show me behind him. I then saw like a circular shape opening, the same diameter as the tunnel. It was like he was a door of light, and he had just opened up eternity. As he stepped aside, I was confronted that directly where he had been standing was grass. It was like panoramic opening. I could see an entire new earth, fields, flowers crystal clear river, mountains, blue sky, I looked up, it was like a new heaven, I'm standing in awe looking upon a totally new earth, my upbringing was that if you went to heaven you'd be on a cloud with white sheets playing harps and having fat little Italian babies with puffed up cheeks firing (laughs) Cuban arrows at you, well I'm standing here looking at a new earth, I'm thinking what on earth is this, God said I've gone and prepared a place for you, I've created a new earth and a new heaven and, of course, in that new heaven is the new Jerusalem. This may c- counter your theology, but I don't really care. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank God that the new Jerusalem is coming out of the new heavens onto the new earth. He said, I make all things new. Yeah. If he's gone and prepared a place for you, it's not here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if he says he makes all things new, thank God we get new heavenly bodies, and there is no sickness, no suffering, no oh, death, no, no. and a river of life, and we get back to what God had. And thank God when he comes down with his city, And I've been to the old Jerusalem. He's going to instate his city on the new earth and won't just walk with man, he will habitate with man. His gates will be open and the glory of God will cover
0: the earth. Amen.
1: I am my beloved and he is mine. And I'll tell you what, Song of Solomon, you will. Apple of his eye. You know, we're a love upon your shoulder that's stronger than death. Nothing can separate you from that love. Mm-hmm. I was loved back to life. As I'm standing there, I'm thinking, I'm home. In fact, Isaiah says that when you've seen that, the former things will not come to remembrance. So I know that if you stepped in there, you wonder if this world ever existed. Because mm-hmm. in the light of eternity, the temporal suffering of this earth is nothing compared to the hope set before us. Mm-hmm. And I stood in awe. I, I was literally you if animals stepped on, the grass would spring back, the radiance was upon jesus that light was upon all of creation no death i watched jesus then step back in front of me and he said i am the door of life (laughs) i'm the light of the world no one comes to the father but by me Mm -hmm. he said here now that you've seen do you wish to remain because we're given the free gift of eternal life i had freedom to stay Mm -hmm. okay or do you wish to return i said i do not want to return i want to remain here no one who's seen this wants to come back so if you've lost loved ones Trust me, you're weeping over the sorrow and loss of those loved ones, but none of them want to come back if they've gone here. No one. You might be broken and weeping and crying over sorrow, but trust me, no one wants to come back. Mm. No one. I stood and said, I, I don't want to go back. Apocalypse now, World War III. I look back and saying, God, no one loves me, no one cares for me. I look back to say goodbye in cruel world, you know, ciao, juice, or Vita saying, I'm out of here, man. I looked back, and as I looked back, directly behind me was my mum. A clear vision of my mother. Mm. How many love your mum? If you don't, please put your hand up anyhow. (laughs) You can forgive her later, you know. She's sitting next to you, you better have your hand up. So I looked back and I saw one person who loved me, one person who prayed for me. I thought, had I not seen her in that ambulance, where would I be right now? In the pits of Hades, being held there in chains of darkness until the day of judgment. But that gets cast into a lake of fire i'm second death and i'm standing there going god i love her there's one person that i would go back for i've lived such a selfish life how would she know that i made it how would she know that if i stepped into eternity right now i know that that door would close and if i look back i would only see field and and grass i would not see the door anymore i would never be able to potentially communicate with her then i thought perhaps i could get god to send an angel or something (laughs) Men <laughs> scamming, you know. And I said <laughs> shortcuts. And I said, I don't want to risk that. It would break my mother's heart. Everything she said is true. There is a hell, there is a heaven, and there is a loving Saviour. Good time for me. But he's no longer dead, he's he's risen. I'd only seen him dead. <laughs> I'd seen him as an historic Christ. I had no idea that Paul said we'd have fixed our eyes upon what? A risen, glorified Savior, which saved him when he was blinded by the light of that glory on the road to Damascus. He didn't see Christ on the cross. He was transformed by the resurrected, glorified Savior yeah. when the love of God blinded him on the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. knocked him down off his horse. Some of us have to be knocked down to be brought up. Mm-hmm. So I stood there and I said, I'm going back for my mum. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see things in a new light from a heavenly, eternal perspective, not from a temperately, earthly one. When Christ comes into you, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we should be changed from the inside out. We should no longer live for ourselves. I do not live for myself. I'm a dead man walking. I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he creates in us eternity, stamps eternity in our eyes, that we live a life that would truly focus upon his kingdom and not ours. His will, not ours. His glory, not ours. We must decrease. So many Christians want to increase. We must decrease. It's His name we're to lift up. There's no other name to glorify. I look back again and I saw my father next to my brother, my sister, my mum. Hundreds of thousands of people. You ever seen Canadian geese fly in a V formation? I could make out friends, family, and then I could see people I've never seen before in my life. Literally, their faces went off into a blur. I said, God, why do you show me these people? He said, Ian, most people will not come into a church any longer. I want you to go back and tell them what you have seen. I said, but God, I don't know these people. I don't love them. I love my mum. Who are they to me? He said, Ian, I love them. I desire all of them to come to know me god said love the world i didn't know that it was hard enough for me to love one person how many find it hard to love one (laughs) i'll be married 26 years so i i look back (laughs) and i do love her (laughs) i look back and i saw these multitude of people and i thought what kind of love could do that i said god i i truly can say generally i love my mum. i don't love these other people i don't but i will go back for her he said ian Tilt your head, open your eyes, see as he spoke. Instantly I was back in my body, on a slab in a morgue. Doctors, nurses freaking out, running, taking off. I'd been dead for 15 to 20 minutes. And they'd done nothing to bring me back. God said, Ian, I've given your life back. I said, God, can you heal my body? Do another miracle? I'd rather be back in heaven than on a machine. Can you heal my body? If i been dead that long. Healing power went through me like electricity. Within three or four hours, I was totally healed. Mm -hmm. I walked out of the hospital the next day. So I believe not only in the resurrection power of Christ, but the same miracles that he did then, uh, now, and forever. Amen. I flew home, and as I was flying back, I said, God, what's happened to me? He said, you are a reborn Christian. I said, I've heard of Catholics and Anglicans, Presbyterian, Baptists. What's reborn? Do you have to die and come back to life? He said, no, you were dead in your sins, but when you prayed the Lord's Prayer, you were born again in my spirit. Amen. I said, what now? He said, read a Bible. I said, I don't have one. He said, your father has one. And in six weeks, I read the entire Bible. And in Genesis 1, 3, it said, and God said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the... I said, I've seen it. And then he created the sun, moon, and the stars. I thought, in Genesis 1, this is God's word. And then when I got into the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who come to me shall no longer walk in darkness. Then I got into Revelations 1, 13 to 18. John the Apostle said, I saw him, robes reaching his feet. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow. His face shone like the sun in full strength. His voice was like the sound of many waters. He said, do not be afraid. I was dead. But behold, I am alive forevermore. Hold the keys of death and hell, Hades. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And I wept and I saw the new earth, the new heaven, the river of life. And I said, God, he said, the greatest is love. My mum come and watch me read the Bible. She said, son, what's happened? I told him a story. My mum burst into tears and told me how she'd been praying. I was the first one back. And my mother, I hugged her. And my girlfriend took me down to a church that was on fire in revival. Saw the Shekinah glory shine out all over a pastor's face. We were baptized in water, baptized in the spirit. I was absolutely changed forever. Led my sister, the Lord, on the farm and her husband, all the kids. And I just watched God move. And he said, go to the nations and preach the gospel. Amen. So within 12 months, I walked off the farm, walked away from consultancy and God. Said, here I am, Lord. People said, Ian, can we video? I said, yes. They said, what do you want to sell it for? I said, nothing. They said, what? I said, Jesus said, freely receive, freely give. You give it away. And so I try and, if we get our money back on it, that's a miracle. (laughs) But Jesus just said, give it all away. Mm -hmm. So my heart is that, just give it all away. Mm -hmm. We've got books out there for two bucks and DVDs for a buck on on the table. Copy them all. You can get it on the internet and download it for free. I don't care. Just get it to the world. Amen. You
2: know have to just wow, well, yeah, amen right let 's just give a wow you know, Ian, in my spirit right now, I have to say this last Monday at Women of Influence, and God just so impressed upon me, and the women have been going, all day today have come up, God lives in the now. Yeah. I said that this morning, right, God lives in the now we don 't understand time because in your story i 'm thinking, how did you have that experience? It seems so long. You were dead 20 minutes, and yet we have to realize there's no time in eternity. True. There is no time. And what you just said, that whole idea how, you know, we think somebody dies suddenly, and so there's no time in eternity. We have no idea how God is ministering to that person at that moment, what seems like 10 seconds, and they're gone. And because there's not, and you know what? But here's, it is appointed for every man. You have this time on earth now. I mean, whether you think the story is real or not doesn't really matter. It's real. You can fight against that, but you will have an encounter with the God of the universe. You will look at him, and he will say, I spoke to you. I spoke to you at a time at Influence Church. I spoke to you, the seeds of life. And you have that opportunity. So I think, I think we have to just get around, wrap around. God doesn't care about time. He created that for us.
1: Yep. And they don't have to believe my testament. They need to believe the testament of Jesus. That he died for three days and three nights. That he is God. He rose again from the dead. He is the one who saves. He is the light of the world. He is alive and glorified. And that changed me forever. I said, God, they won't believe me. He said, don't worry, son. They don't believe me either. (laughs) But those who do, find love. Forgiveness, healing, deliverance. Every part, body, soul, and spirit can be changed from the inside out. I had looked for love and got lust and sensuality and sex. But that love is eternal love. That love is pure. That love touches the deepest of man's need. The true meaning and truth to life was love. God so loved the world, He came to save it, not to judge it. God sent His Son the exact representation of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When I stood in heaven and saw him, I now know why Jesus is God. He is the exact representation. When you looked into his face, you realized this is what he looked like before he came to earth. He was the radiance and the glory of heaven. That's good. That's
0: good. That's good. You know, today, I want you to keep two things in mind. One is the revelation of Jesus, and the other is your will. And when those two things collide, you find life. Because it ultimately comes down, as Ian said, to a choice. What will you do with the revelation you have thus far? The revelation of the Word of God, the revelation of creation, the revelation that came through this story, this testimony today. What will you do with the revelation of God? And I really believe that God has brought you together today along with, A worldwide audience on live stream that taps in and hears this, brought you together to change you. If you already know him, he brought you here to change you, to take you to the next degree of glory so you can understand what God wants to do through you, not for you, but through you, that we are called to be world changers. We're called to to revolutionize this world through the power of Almighty God. And this is just the seed. This is just beginning today of what God wants to do in you. And what I want to ask us to do, I want to ask us right now to uh, uh, to just stand together and to pray. And I'm going to invite you in just a moment. If you don't know Christ, we're going to invite you in just a moment to come here to the front. We're going to pray with you if you need the healing hand of God on you. We're going to invite you to come. But we believe that you came here not just to hear a story. But to be transformed by the power of Almighty God. Let's pray together. Father, as we stand before you, we stand really just contemplating the depth of all that we've heard, fascinated, God, by the supernatural. challenged by the Spirit of God. Knowing, God, that you have called us to be different. You've called us to be sons and daughters of the living God. Some have heard that call and responded. And many of those who've responded are not changing the world. May that be the recommitment, the powerful move that we find in the lives of those who know you as sons and daughters and many God today came through invitation and curious to hear the story but don't know you not certain they know you today need to be changed by the power of Almighty God to find the resurrected Christ to be the life to be the way the truth and the life I'm gonna ask if that's you and that's your situation I'm going to ask you to pray right now where you are, a prayer like this one. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You died for a purpose, for my sins. You died to give me life. God, I am a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness. I ask you to give me life if you've promised. The Bible says if I confess With my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart I will be saved save me now Jesus right now give me the gift of life and let me know life and life more abundantly if that was your prayer today and you prayed it in faith in your own words in your own heart right now would you thank him for the gift would you say thank you Jesus for saving me thank you God for giving me eternal life and for writing my name in the lamb's book of life would you thank him right now in your own heart if you've thanked him and if you've expressed your faith in him i want you to know by the authority of the word of god by the living christ that he has saved you he has put your name in his book of life and now it's time for you to live for him it's time for you to profess him before man that he might confess you before the father And I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you're standing or sitting to come to the front right now. Our prayer team will be here to greet you. I'm going to ask also those of you who are Christians who've not really made that impact you want to make, but you made a recommitment today to live for Jesus. Would you come? Just, I expect this altar to be filled with people who are seeking God, seeking the healing hand of God. Would you come right now, right now as we sing? Just come. Just let God move your heart.